Tim, season three, episode 15, Stats Matter. The NFL is back, baby. Hmm. We're going to recap some of the highs and lows of week one. Revisit our season predictions because some of them look like they're dangerously. Uh, I mean, it's week one. So, you know, a lot of things could happen over the course of 17 more games. But so, yeah, we'll get there. Uh, and we're also going to commiserate on our fantasy football progress. In our cup this week, it's a rum barrel aged sour beer from Sackle, Maine. And you got a whiskey from Lawrenceville, Kentucky. Follow us on Instagram at Stats the Matter on Twitter at Stats Podcast. All things sports beer, although we're becoming a whiskey podcast now. So I guess, mm. shit, do I have to start like. Are we, are we are we just gonna be a boost podcast? Is it, is it a boost podcast? That I just mean, I, breaks that, out and just says sports sometimes. <laughs> I mean, there's no rules. There are no rules here. We kind of make it up as we go. Uh, well, yeah, but th- there is a rule. And, it, and if if I'm like, I have this nice Pinot Noir from 2016, I want you to shut that shit down immediately. Okay? No, no, man. If you wanna if you wanna dip your toes into some uh, some vino, there's 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 a subsection of uh, sports that are big into it. Got the LeBron oh. Jameses of the group. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. LeBron and, and Dwayne Wade. That's right. right. All right. All things booze, sports, humor, stats that matter. Find it wherever you get your podcast. Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon. Ask Alexa. She'll play it for you. Let's get into the show, Tim. Let's go. All right. I, I got to tell you. Hmm. I was pretty excited for the first week of football, and mm. as the kids say, the shit slapped. It was not disappointing at all, and I hope that's going to be the same case for this beer right here called Rummy Bears, a rum barrel aged Goza with gummy bears, strawberry, pineapple, orange, and lemon by Barreled Souls, 8.6%. Look at this fucking label art. This is That is pretty sick. Um, I hope that when I drink this, this is the colors that I start to see. And if I, you know, fall off on this end of the podcast, then I mean, I guess we know what happened. Maybe yeah. there was like the edibles that they put in there. I bet <laughs> there's, there's, there's got to be some beer, or something that people, people actually did that. You know, I believe it. I wouldn't be. I mean, somebody should if they haven't already. Although I feel like that could get dangerous. Yeah, it definitely could. I haven't had sour beer in a while. Oh my goodness. Oh Jesus. Oh. Uh, that's definitely rummy. Very, very rummy. Not, not like gin. I mean, you look at the face that I'm making right now. It's just very pungent. But I also I also smell the gummy bears. I think this is like um this is like what, what happens when like the tipsy bartender, you know, <laughs> Instagram videos come to life. Hmm. We're gonna make the gummy bear rum first. It's <laughs> vodka, triple sec. All the gummy bears. I keep seeing that guy's shit on my Instagram now because they changed it and it was like whatever is popular. And trending, that's what you see. So I watched one tipsy bartender video. Well, your for like forty-five bro. seconds. Your algorithm and, is yeah, uh, and is, now, is now just a whole, like whole bunch of shit. Yeah, yeah. It's that. It'll probably be like sports and, and half-naked women because it was trying to get you as a middle-aged uh, or almost middle-aged <laughs> white male. Uh, yeah. They know. I was uh, I was in um, Atlanta last week for a conference, and uh, there was an exhibit. This guy was like talking about uh, artificial intelligence, and he was like, "Yeah, we have this." photo scraping software and i was like photo scraping and i was like mm. put my government hat on for a minute and i was like uh how how long do you keep these photos for and he didn't answer the question i was like and how do you have the authority to collect these 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 photos and he didn't answer the question he ended up telling someone else during a demo that like we have a couple lawsuits but we're gonna win them and i was just like this dude asked if i wanted him to look up anyone and i thought fuck i'll just give i'll just give my name and i was like Psh, ah i see what you're doing here a little government <laughs> overreach here so Cheers, cheers to that, and be careful what you fucking post online, kids, because let me oh, tell yeah. you, this guy, 
Yeah, a whole bunch of shit. Here we go. I mean, if you haven't learned that yet from, you know, all the news cycles that yeah. are going around, then there ain't nothing for you, son. Holy shit. Is that a good so holy is, shit or a bad holy shit? No, it, that's a good holy shit. Okay. Um, okay. Rum barrels. You know this because you're, you're more of a hard alcohol guy than me, but like rum is very, very sticky. Mm-hmm. And... It is very, it can be thick or thin depending on the quality of it. You know, like you get a good like Myers or uh, or Gosling or even Mount Gay, you know what I mean? Like, and you, you get a little Coke, you can definitely, you can't chew it, but it's close, right? <laughs> and that's kind of what, what you get with this one. I definitely feel like I just had a whole bunch of boozy gummy bears that were like ice cold. Like this, this is really fucking good. Is it? Uh, eight, 8.6%. And, I think one of the one of the best things that I really appreciate about Barrel Souls is that um, with all the adjuncts that they put in their beers, you mm-hmm. would think that there would be some hot particle or something else, like some residual that stick behind. Yep. Yet I've not had one yet. Knock on wood. I mean, I tend not to think all. that uh, rum le- lends to like a sweeter flavor profile when when you come to barrel age that in like a uh, like a like a bourbon, like a good bourbon, mm. tend to lean towards like the sweeter side, but more so, I think on the on the rum end. At least in my experience, but this is a four six. This four, is six? a four six. I am telling you, woof! I'm I'm a little a little bummed that I only got one of these. I guess next time in Maine, I'll have to see if this is like, you only, like paper plates. You only bought one of those. Ah, uh, okay. So it came in a four pack, right? Oh, Beer okay. store made a special delivery, and I was feeling really really generous last night. And I had we had some people over, and I said, "Hey, would you like a sour beer?" A couple people said yes, so I said, "Here, have these sour beers." And Three of them were barrel aged and one of them was not. <laughs> mm, but the barrel aged one was, was pretty good. Shout out to Austin. He had it. So barrel aged. Yeah. I have not had uh I've not had a sour I've been like a huge fan of yet. So I need to get my hands on one to try it. That might be the one because I'm a sucker for uh anything fruity in terms of candy. Uh yeah. Skittles, you know, Sour Patch Kids, like. you know. I'm I'm Mike and Ike's. I think we've talked about it before, but Mike and Ike's, I, I single-handedly may have uh, saved a small part of that company by my Mike and Ike's tour that I took up uh, over the last few years because now everybody I know eats them and everyone's yep. like, you son of a bitch. You know what you've done? <laughs> yeah. I, have a, I have a picture that I uh, I took and posted of my son with the most random Office Depot uh, order I've ever made. Uh, I don't even remember how it came across my my lap but uh i don't know if it was like an instagram post or an email but they sold a five pound bag of mike and ike's for twenty dollars and i ordered that shit oh yeah i mean you got it i mean yeah. at, at that point it's like it was gone fat my uh, wife had to ration them because i was eating them too quick <laughs> like three it's like uh it's like three pennies uh three pennies a piece or whatever probably yeah like yeah yeah so all right um, what are you drinking sir yeah so in honor of uh you know opening sunday and to commiserate with you, I'm going to drink a little Russell's Reserve for a while. Why are you commiserate with me? I mean, I know you can you can say it all you want. You can say he's dead. I know the love is there. Trust me, as a <laughs> as a fan of a uh, of a solid quarterback who has left for someone else, it feels like you're being cheated on. I get it. I get it. Uh, oh man, these cheap ass glasses have cracks in them already. Or not Uh-oh. cracks? I don't know what those are. See those? Or scratches? Yeah. 
I don't know what those two little things are, but anyway. yeah, just just shoot out the bottle. You know what I mean? Don't don't bother. What, 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 do, what do you want Done. here? Do you want a sliver in your Russell Reserve, or do you want to just? <laughs> uh, so I try to mix it up a little bit, and when I do have whiskeys, I want I'm going to start. I'll probably do a little bit more whiskeys because your boy is trying to watch his waistline a little bit and get back mm. in shape. Uh, we're going back to campus, so we have access to the gym on campus. I got another gym close by the house that I can augment on the days I'm not in, and I'm. I'm on a pretty good trend so far, so throwing back a couple beers might set me back a little bit, at least now, in the early progress. So whiskey it is, but I'll try and alternate between ones that are a little bit harder to get and then some you might find on a shelf at any package store that you go into. That way, you know, if you guys see any you like, feel free to go and snag them. This one is a little bit on the uh, whale side. Uh, any of the Russell Reserves that are above their, like, entry-level version, um... Which is still not bad, but it's not it's not even in the same wheelhouse when you get up into the the private barrel selection or you get up into the the latter years, the the twelve year and the and whatnot. But um <clears throat> this one it's uh it's a private barrel select, it's non chill filtered, single barrel. So same idea, this barrel is this barrel, they're all numbered and labeled. So the flavor profiles you get out of this are gonna be unique to this one. So your bottle of Russell Reserve. Private Select is going to be different than mine. This one, um, this one was actually from a buddy of mine down in uh, Pennsylvania. Um, but this one was distilled in 2011. They dumped it and then uh, bottled it in October of last year. So got some good age on it. It smells sweet. Like as soon as you open it, one of the things Russell Reserves tends to like shoot for every time is that even though the flavors are slightly different, um, they always end up having like a pretty good toffee vanilla sort of undertone to it, no matter like what barrel you get. Some of the the richness or some of the some of the flavors that come from the different barrels is gonna change it quite a bit. And anybody who who does private barrel tastings can understand it swings drastically. Like I've helped do a couple barrel picks where they send you a bunch of samples. You try them all, and the difference between each one of them can be all over the place, depending on where it was stored in the while it was in the barrel. Meaning, was it closer to the ground? How close to the door? How humid? How dry? All of those things factor into it. So, they're all white oak barrels. Um, <clears throat> they get picked and they have to get approved before they ever go out. So they all go through like their own quality program. But in general, they all have a somewhat similar flavor profile to them. Um, but let's give it a shot in my glass. It, it smells boozier than what it did out of the, out of the bottle, but it ends up being, I want to say it's like, how, how much is this? Yeah, it's 55%. So 110 proof. So not, not huge, but a little bit more than your standard Jameson. Oh Yeah. That's really good. So right off the bat, you get the that charred, that charred oak flavor from the the barrel, but then it has like a little hint of like pepper, and then it goes right into like a super smooth like sugary sweetness on the way up for 110 proof. That's very dangerous. Um, it's it's another wild turkey product. Like a lot of these distilleries, they have a bunch of different names, but they all come from like 
four or five distilleries all within the same area. This is one of the ones from Wild Turkey. I'm not generally other than the Wild Turkey one that I reviewed, I don't know, several, uh, probably months ago at this point. Um, I'm not an overly huge fan of a lot of the Wild Turkey stuff, but this is, this is phenomenal. Um, I have one, one more sip and I'm drinking it neat. Uh, I feel like if this is one you let mellow with a little water or even uh, like a cube, this could get, this would be a very, very, very smooth drink. This would be a little bit higher of a price point than you would pay if you were like an entry level whiskey drinker trying to get into the higher proof stuff. But if you could see one of these and you could swing it. I would 100% do this and like start off with some cubes because it's that smooth. It does have a peppery bite to it, which takes some getting used to if you're not into big proofs. But for me, this is really, really good. I'm going to give it a... Oh, I forgot we were doing the 10-point scale. <laughs> I'm going to give it a... Well, because it's... They're, 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 too, they're too different to just one through five, right? Like a 4-3 and a 4-2 could be drastically different. That would be... But like a seven five to an eight five, not only is that like a thirty dollar price point difference expected, but flavors are drastically different. So I'm gonna give it a an eight six, an eight six. Damn, damn. Yeah. All right. Phenomenal. Very very good. I would definitely recommend it. You know what? what sometimes you can go to restaurants and you can order the uh, private barrels, and the pours are generally pretty inexpensive. So that's always an option for if you want to try some of these without having to go out and buy a full bottle. Wooden tap, if you're anywhere that has a wooden tap, is one that has those. A lot of the big, uh, a lot of big craft, a lot of restaurants that have good craft beer menus also have good whiskey menus. So just something to keep in mind. Shout out to the distributors like Vacation Land, probably hooking them up with all kinds of good stuff. All right, that's what's in our cups this week. Go find it wherever you get booze, which not is not on the. Stats and Matter Twitter page. Sorry, we're not a licensed business. We do business <laughs> in 50 states with all those different liquor laws. Mm. Okay. Let's get into this NFL thing. Oof. Let's remind everyone whom we thought. Before even watching a, a snap of week one football, we made, we made predictions. We both said in the AFC East, we thought the Bills. We both said in the AFC West, the Chargers. We differed in the AFC North. You said Ravens. I said Bengals. Um, and then the AFC South, you said Titans, I said Colts. Mm. Uh, in the NFC East, you said Cowboys, I said Eagles. Uh, in the NFC West, we both said Rams. In the NFC North, we both said Packers. And the NFC South, we both said Buccaneers. Yeah. Um, as it stands right now, um, our <laughs> our picks are not in danger, right? But we'll we'll get into a couple oh, of these oh, games. One of mine is definitely in danger. I like I like Jerry Jones trying to trying to skirt this and and yeah. save the faith for the cost of uh, uh, you know stadium seats, but yeah, when you got a billion dollar practice, facility, I digress. You probably have to yeah, tell everyone what they need to hear. Okay, um, so we're gonna do something a little different this season. Okay, so usually we 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 pick every single game or recap, you know, most of every game, and it fucking takes forever. So what we're gonna do this season? I'm gonna pick three. You're gonna pick three, right? And we're gonna score those. Just three. So the highest score you can get on, on a given week is three. And the lowest score you can get is zero. Rather than eight to five or eight to two if you have a particularly bad week. So that should make the picks a lot better. So why don't we come up with a picks bet right now before we get into this whole thing. So 
I, I think a like loser a picks. Pack. Yeah. What the loser picks? No, you're the loser of last year's gambling picks. Oh, right, so, right. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, I think, I think an eight pack. We've done, we've done some four packs here and there. I think we raised the ante a little bit. An eight pack, or let's say a fifty dollar bottle of uh, bourbon or something like that. All right, I get down with that. It's a little weak. So, it's not, it's not quite a, a two sided jersey. Fuck but it. I'll take fuck it. it. A sixteen pack then. What I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ. What uh, yeah, yeah. No, eight, eight pack works. Maybe right. maybe we'll maybe we'll place uh, something else on the Super Bowl again or like a playoff run. Yeah, we, yeah definitely. Uh, yeah, okay. So we'll do picks regular season. Um, total picks right regular season. Victor gets eight pack or medium range <laughs> bourbon. That's what I'll do there. All right. I'll start off. I'll do a recap. You do a recap. Then we'll go on back and forth. Okay. I'm not starting with Seahawks Broncos. It's on my list, but I'm not starting with it. I'm going to start with the Giants Titans, which is the game that everyone thought was like, nah, it's fucking no way. Right. But shout out to Craig and Julie, New York Giants fans. They came over. Uh, we had people over on Football Sunday. We had the keg going. We, we did wings this week. We had loaded tots. It was crazy. It was really good. Um, and this game for a long time was very, very frustrating. Because the Titans have Derrick Henry. Mm. But Derrick Henry couldn't really get going. And then Derrick Henry finally got leveled. And I think it was because he took an off angle on a play. And then he just kind of got laid out by a Giants defender. And now that's the only content you see. Oh, who knew that Derrick Henry could get hit like this? Like, bro, have you seen all the content that you've been putting out about Derrick Henry shoving someone into next week? Like, don't put one video up. and yeah. Oh, this guy got, you know, this guy stood up to Derrick Henry. No, he, no, he fucking did. Come on. Um, but... Saquon is back. Mm. Saquon's back. Mm -hmm. All right. If you if you took if you took him in your fantasy drafts and you were worried about him, that shit is paying off for you. hundred and forty plus total yards. He had the touchdown. He had the a two point conversion when they needed it to tie the game um, and then go up. Oh, dude! If what I want, I was so frustrated with Daniel Jones that so many times during this game, and I was like, oh yeah, they're definitely gonna fucking lose. And then they just kept it close. Whatever Dayball has done to that team with them fighting in camp and everything like that, because the Giants fight in camp like all the time. This just mm -hmm. happens. However, this year seems to be a little bit different. Now it's week one. But I was very, very surprised that like Tannehill could not get a lot going with the receiving game. And that the run game, like most of the rushing touchdowns went to Dontrell Hilliard, who's a backup running back. I don't know why that is. Maybe it was scheme. Maybe it was, you know, just who knows what happened. But the Giants seem to have something there. Now, it's not, I don't think they're going to win the division by any stretch of the imagination. But I was very pleased to see this game go down to it and then go for two to go ahead and win by one point when they couldn't kick the field goal the other way. Because there was a lot of missed kicks this week. Oh a God. lot of missed kicks. And props to the Giants, man. Props to the Giants. Man, there was... When, when we're done with all this, we're going to have to have the conversation about... Uh... About kicking because I heard a, a pretty hot take and I gotta say I don't uh, I don't know if I necessarily disagree with it. Um, but interesting. Well, we'll we'll dive into that a little bit. I'm also watching the Sox game. I just watched Judge hit another home run. This is absurd. Of course, yeah. I don't I don't know why you do this to yourself, Tim. <sighs> you like pain. Yeah. All right. So let's talk Buffalo Bills and Los Angeles Rams. Um, 
The Bills, I'm big on the Bills this season. I said that last week. It's That's not changing at all. Uh, I was also big on the Rams, uh, but now, uh, you know, it's it's week one and your your first team is going up against someone, I think, or a team that I think is going to be just a complete headache for the entire league. Josh Allen, uh, towards the end of last season, really, in my opinion, kind of found his footing and continued to excel and just brought it right into this opening game. Uh, the defense for the Rams is no joke, right? We we talked about it all last season, uh, all the way through the end of the year. We this team has one of the best defenses in all of football, and Allen came in and just shit all over everybody. Uh, all over uh, twenty six to thirty one, two hundred and ninety seven yards. He had three touchdowns. Did throw two picks though. Uh, one of those is a soft pick, uh, but he also had fifty six yards. And a rushing touchdown as well. So he's looking a little bit like, you know, vintage uh, Russ. Not, I would say quite Lamar-esque. Like he's not running all over the place, but he's not afraid to go down and take a couple hits to extend some drives. Uh, it's a very scary team. It finished out with with two very long passes too to kind of seal up that game. I'm, I'm not as nervous yet about the Rams. I think this is going to be one they bounce back from. Uh, Stafford's three interceptions are a little bit worrisome. He only threw one touchdown on the entire day, but only completed about 50. And I mean, this is something we talked about ad nausea last season about completion percentages. And he was 29 of 41, but he finished with like a, a it was like a 63, 64% rating on the day. And that's not who you saw all of last season. So I think. Some of it's those early season jitters you see in week one, a lot of the byproduct of teams who haven't been uh, part of the preseason program. They didn't play in any games. And I think you start, you're starting to see a little bit of that rust in those first few games. So I'm not overly worried, but um, Von Miller looked like an animal, an I'm animal. Old. Like dude, this is like his 10th or 11th year. And he came in and was just all over the field, um, constantly putting pressure on. So that was entertaining to watch. If the defense is going to continue this play this way, and Allen is going to uh, continue this trend of getting better and better, I don't think there's any way this team. I don't. I don't see anybody on their their schedule that I would look at as like a major challenge. So I don't know. Scary team. Scary team. I thought they would be scary at the start, like before the season even started, and now this just sort of further solidified what I was expecting. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It was uh it was a great way to start off the season on that Thursday mm-hmm. night football. That that's what you want. You want to start the season off with a bang with a fantastic game yeah. and a 31 to 10 drubbing of the world champions after they raised the banner and there was more fucking fans in that uh in SoFi Stadium cheering for the Bills. Yep. To the point where the Rams said they had to go to the like the you know the the silent count. That's never yep. good. That's no. never good. <laughs> okay. Let's get let's get into this uh, next next game here. Seahawks Broncos seventeen sixteen Seattle. If you'd asked me before who's going to win this fucking game, I wouldn't have said Seahawks. Okay, for a lot of things, um, I don't really believe that they are primed to go far this year. I think they're going to win some games. I think they're going to be a good team, but um, I hope Bryce Young falls to them at pick seven next year. I just want to be <laughs> very clear about that. Okay, <laughs> so um, I I think that there's a lot that can be taken from this game. 
there was so much hype that was put into this game about Russ coming back with a new team and a vengeance and who's going to get the battle. Richard Sherman talking all his trash. Everyone and their fucking mother, who was a Seahawks legend, was at this game. Yeah. That should tell you something, okay? KJ Wright, Chancellor, Doug was there. Sherm was there. Marshawn was there. And I, I just want to preface this. If you're reading all the hot takes and, oh, Gino went 17 for 18 in the first half, yes. If football was only 30 minutes at a time, Seattle would have won the game. However, Seattle didn't do a fucking thing in the second half. Mm. Not a damn thing. Not a damn thing after they get two fumbles in the goal line that the right. Broncos gifted them. Not when DK Metcalf got a strip of the ball, right? That should have set things up the other way. And not when the Broncos inexplicably with over a minute to go, debated between quarterback and head coach who's going to call a timeout. And they blew 40 seconds before they even called their first of three timeouts that they had on the block. Like, this is some shit that, like, it's just weird football happens in Seattle. That's just the way it goes. The Broncos coughed it up on the one-yard line, running the ball both times. Tell me that's not some fucking karma. I don't know, right? It's just, there's some weird stuff that was going on in this game. There's this weird juju that goes on there, but the stadium was rocking. It was super loud. The fans booed Russ. I don't get it. I don't, I don't really have too much of an opinion on it, but like the entire time I was watching the game, I was like divided. I was like, well, shit, I really want the Seahawks to win, but it's Geno Smith. And Geno Smith was like 14 for 14 coming out. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> but we're not scoring any more points. <laughs> like it's not happening. <laughs> like there's no more points. And then we went and get the field goal. And I was like, okay. And then for the game to come down the way it did, fourth and five, you burn a minute trying to figure out if you're going to go for it or not on fourth and five. And you don't, even though Russ did that shit against the Vikings and other, other teams, like all last like couple seasons, like that's why you give that dude $245 million extension, right? To go and put your kicker out there who has not successfully kicked that length, which would have equaled an NFL record with 20 seconds to go is a very fucking, or four seconds to go. It's a very fucking bad idea. Very bad. Yeah. idea. I don't know what in the world the Broncos were thinking, but they got real cute last night, and I got to give roses to the Seahawks. The Seahawks defense gave up 400-plus yards, but they gave up 16 points. Hmm. I mean, you really you really can't hate that at the end of the day. Like, it's the bend, don't break defense. That's Pete Carroll's mantra. He's always about that, and that's what they did. The Seattle Seahawks always come out week one, and they win ugly. Like, I remember a few years ago, they beat the Dolphins like 12-9. Like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just, just go throw a couple <laughs> touchdowns. Like, Gino had those touchdowns to the tight ends when Russ didn't do anything with the tight ends his entire career. Like, the whole game is a master's class in the pettiness that's been this whole past year. Um, and the Seahawks Twitter feed is now like, whoever's their social media manager should get a raise because the amount of subtle pettiness that they're putting back in is incredible. Um, but it seems like everyone in Seattle is fine. Now they're they're facing the Niners next week. I don't, I'm not even going to recap the game because I, I think we know how that's going to go. But um, <laughs> let's not get it twisted. The Broncos should have won this game by two touchdowns, and they fucked up immensely. And they could have won by three touchdowns if Russ was in that situation. And you know, like he he didn't even throw a pick. You know what I mean? Like the, the, that was that was the perfect game. When you put that much weight onto it, you don't treat it like a regular football game week one. These are the, the sorts of things that can happen, but good for the Seahawks. Atop the NFC West because every other fucking team in the division <laughs> lost this week. So hang the banner. <laughs> but yeah. 
It will not be the same next week. No, no, no. Um, so one of my what appears to be uh, two very bad picks going into this uh, this week. Again, it's week one. It is what it is. Vikings, Packers. And if you told me at the start of this season that Kirk Cousin was going to come out playing like an all-pro and Rodgers was going to come out playing like garbage, I would have laughed in your face. Uh, it's too early to ring the father time bell that everyone's been trying to do on Tom Brady for a while, but it wasn't a good look to come out, you know, with all of the, the nonsense that took place in the off season and whatever this, uh, media show thing he's doing now where he's just going on anyone who wants to have him. He did Joe Rogan and then he was on Barstool shitting all over the commissioner Talking about COVID, all, all of that stuff. He's like on his own little media tour right now. Uh, but on the heels of all of that, while that is still going on, to come out and play as poorly as they did, yeah. they lost 23-7 to to the Vikings, which is an opponent that they have owned for a very, very long time. And there was zero ownage that went on uh, in terms of the Packers side. I mean, not all his fault. His, you know, his t primary target left, which is something I had talked about before, where everyone's like, oh, I don't know, he'll find something. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't think he will. He had a get out of jail like comfort blanket that is no longer there that went to another team and immediately made impact. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not buying that he'll just find somebody else. He went 22 of 34, had 195 yards, zero touchdowns, an interception. Zero four sacks and was in negative yardage on the ground. That is, that is not anything I would have seen from him at any point in the past. So it feels a little strange coming into this. He like looked like he didn't know what was going on or like he was, I mean, he was constantly under duress. His offensive line just isn't getting the job done right now. It looked very much like Tampa's line when, like this year, they lost a bunch. So you're starting to see some similarities between the old guys having to make time for themselves. And it did not it did not end up well. But Kirk Cousins played his ass off. He went 23 of 32. He had 270 yards, 77 yards and two touchdowns. But the big takeaway is anybody who had Justin Jefferson in their team, <laughs> damn, 9 for damn. 11, 108. off the board. He was going off the board early in a lot of fantasy drafts, and I was like, running back super thin, why did you do this? Oh. Now, now this shit makes total sense. Yeah, he he went uh, just on the receiving end of things, 9 for 11, 184 yards, and two touchdowns. If you're, in a, if you're in a league that's scoring points per yard and points per catch plus touchdowns, dude, you must have put up like a, a 30, 40-point game. That is, oh, yeah. that is unreal. So, interesting. Fun to watch. Um, Jefferson will be one. Uh, fantasy nerds are going to want to have to pay attention to this season and see how that, that translates. But uh, more importantly, keep an eye on Rodgers to see where this goes because that was a little alarming. I had them picking uh, or winning the NFC North. Uh, I'm not... I'm not bailing on that yet. It is Aaron Rodgers. He is one of the greatest of all time. We'll give it a couple games, but if this is still looking like this by week four, yeah, time to hit that eject button. <laughs> <laughs> like Top Gun Maverick. Hmm. Uh, okay. 
last game I'm going to preview, uh, well, recap from last week. Shout out to Matt, listener of the podcast. Uh, gave me a, a healthy amount of shit. Hmm. Like, how are you going to make that pick for the NFC North and then like curse curse my Lions? I was like, good for you, Matt. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, this was a game I was not expecting a lot from, right? The Eagles have been super hyped up. And the way this game started, you're like, all right, cool. Here we go. Um, but a 38-35 hang-on win for the Philadelphia Eagles against the new-look Detroit Lions? Yeah, I'm fucking here for it. What a great game. Uh, DeAndre Swift ran a mock. Jamal Williams got all the touchdowns, but whatever. That doesn't matter. Um, Hurts going to have a bona fide type season this year, I, I really think. Both teams are like, listen, let's just punch each other in the face and see who can last. And for two... I would say blue chip towns that really want to play a different style of football. If you are a fan of smash mouth football, this game was great for you. There was power swings back and forth. There was tie. Then this person goes ahead by two touchdowns, but then they come back. Then there's a field goal and then they come back. And then there's another touchdown. Like just great. I loved that. it. Excuse me. went back and forth like this. Uh, Jared Goff. 21 for 37, 215. Two TDs and the uh, the interception. I mean, Jalen Hurts on the other side, 18 for 32, 243 total. Their QBR was separated by 0.2. So, like, you have a pretty kind of evenly matched game here. Like, Miles Sanders, Jalen Hurts, Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott, all of them got double-digit yards rushing. Whereas mm -hmm. DeAndre Swift, 144 yards with a 50-yarder as his longest with one TD. 9.6 average. I mean, that shit is ridiculous. Everyone was making catches. Everyone was catching touchdowns, and there was, like, just a fantastic amount of offense that was in this game. If you're a Lions fan, you wanted to see something like this from your team. You were like, oh, shit, the, the hard knocks curse is upon us. This is a pretty good way to start the season off. Yes, it's a loss, but to be honest, you scored five times. Hmm. You did a hell of a lot more than I think a lot of pundits were giving you credit for. And by the way, let's say you get a stop and you manage to get the get the clock back, like you might have been able to tie the game here. And so there's so much good positive to take away from this game. Um, if you're an Eagles fan, I'm not gonna say you can just be like, yo, this is our year, but Dak's finger exploded, right? Because no. he hit a Buccaneers player. Like he's he's gonna go, he's not gonna hit IR, but he's gonna be out for four to six weeks. So if you're the Eagles, the time is now. Put your foot on the throat of the division and fucking slay. Just fucking slay. Like, don't look back. Just keep doing it. If you're an Eagles fan, channel all that energy and just get them to just, you know, climb a grease pole or whatever it is that the, that the Eagles fans <laughs> do. Like, this this is your shot to go ahead and separate yourself from the rest of the division. Now, the Commanders did win, but again, it's against the Jaguars. Carson Wentz did look pretty good. Tossed four touchdowns. He's the only Commanders quarterback to do that in a really long time. Uh, in one game. So again, it's a Jaguar, small sample size, but Eagles, you got to just keep pushing, but a very, very good game indeed. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> all right. The last one I'm going to uh, recap is <laughs> going to be the Dolphins and New England. Since the beginning of this podcast, uh, I have said that <clears throat> The, the Dolphins seem to be the, the forever thorn in New England's side. You thought for like a year or two they may have shaken it, but 
it still seems that no matter what, it's still there, right? It's they go in and it's like they forgot how to play football. It doesn't matter how well they're doing. I think they kind of got gypped out of uh, out of an early score. Um, that was clearly passing interference that went blatantly missed. Like I, like even the announcers are like, I mean, how did you how did you miss that? He literally, I have a picture of it on my phone where he's literally pulling on his shoulder. While he and holding his arm while he's while the ball is coming in like that's clearly impeding but whatever it is what it is breaks go both ways and I think there's probably a couple missed calls going going the other way but I think that really set the tone for the game and then they just couldn't get anything going uh, you know lots of short Duncan you know like vintage Patriots like short outs and they were hitting them consistently they just weren't making. Uh, a lot of consistent first downs. Uh, Mac Jones looked a little sloppy sometimes. Uh, I wouldn't go so far as to say they were messed. They only had one last first down than, than Miami did, so it's not like they got completely outplayed. They just couldn't convert any time they had good opportunities. Uh, he had a, a rough interception that uh, I don't – I wouldn't put Aguilar. on. Yeah. Aguilar, Aguilar, Aguilar. Yeah. Quick segue. Remember that video that came out a couple years ago where that guy was talking about uh, throwing kids out the window and catching them, unlike uh, Aguilar. Remember uh, that that viral yeah, moment. Yeah. yeah, that's the first thing I thought of when this when this interception happened. Yeah, yeah, he was, yeah. He was catching the kids too, unlike Aguilar. Yeah, I mean he he had five targets. He caught three of them and had uh, what do you have like twenty eight yards? So yeah. fumble. On top of that, so it wasn't wasn't a great day for him. He, he was missing. I mean, he dropped a couple pretty crucial balls. He fumbled another one. Mac Jones fumbled. So they had a couple takeaways on drives that are turnovers on drives that they showed a lot of promise. But um, a lot of folks are talking about the Dolphins and, and injecting Hill into the organization and that being a big change. I don't necessarily think I, I saw that. Uh, I know there was a lot of hoopla over his comment about two was the most accurate. I mean, everybody go online right now and look up yeah. the, the memes for that because they are <laughs> the memes from this weekend. The oh, one where yeah. two is throwing it literally in the middle to nobody. nobody. Uh, it's, I mean, he had eight receptions. He had 94 yards, so they did connect, and he, he, he just doesn't. He's always a threat when he gets his hands on the ball because of the type of player he is. But this isn't a Mahomes situation where Mahomes can just sling it off his back foot underhand while turning around and get it to you 50 yards downfield. I don't know if Tua has that level of accuracy or arm strength yet. Will he down the road? Maybe. But I don't think this is going to be quite the same dynamic as Mahomes and, and Hill was. It's good to see him get in and, and, and try to make some things happen. I think this was just a series of bad breaks for the Patriots that really kept this game the way it was. Um, they had two really good chances, or they had two really good drives that should have turned into some points, and they, they didn't, and then he had a missed field goal. I mean, it's it was a whole series of, like, there was a lot of sloppy play that went on, where they had, uh, where Miami went for it on, like, four and two, and a very uncharacteristic move by the Patriots and those guard one offsides and they got to carry down. They ended up scoring. So a lot of uh, uncharacteristic behavior from the Patriots. So it's, I don't, I think this one, 
my takeaway from this one is more that the Patriots are not game day ready yet. Less the Dolphins are a good team. I'm not ready to say the yeah. Dolphins are a good team yet. Granted, the the Patriots defense, I mean, when they looked good, they did look good. It's just it's hard to do when when your team isn't converting first downs and they're giving the ball back and allowing the teams, the other team's offense to just be on the field majority of the time. It's it's very difficult for a defense to keep it up that long. Um I mean third down conversions. New England only had four of the nine attempts. So I mean it's just to show you how often Miami had the ball, they were six of fourteen. So it's the defense did its job as best as it can, but when you're on the field the entire time, there's there's not much you can do. They they averaged almost five extra minutes. So like a third of a quarter more in possession time than the Patriots did. So messy game by the Patriots, not your traditional look. You know, you've sort of seen Bill and in, in New England kind of open up and blossom and they're like, oh, this isn't Bill Belichick. Look, he's smiling on the sideline. I'm willing to bet you see this revert real quick back to old school Belichick. Because uh, old squad on that real shit. I mean, it's it's winning games is fun when you start fucking up because you're you're not disciplined and, and you're not playing to your level. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna get brought down to earth pretty quick, and and nobody's gonna do that better than Bill Belichick. So the other thing that was weird about this is the constant like uncertainty of who it is that's play calling. Right, like we, we saw. Like take a team like the Jets that tried to run the two quarterback scheme for a while. When you when you're trying to like jump back and forth and and there isn't any like defined roles, it gets a little messy. And I feel like this is kind of where they're at. I don't know if this is like a trial run. I feel like you need to just hand the reins over, let someone call plays, whether it's Patricia or not. Let them call plays, or Bill takes the reins. It doesn't matter. Let them do it until they fail. And then move over. If they're jumping back and forth between plays or between series or between quarters, I think that's, you know, if you're trying to draft up and and manage a game plan, that's not going to help you manage your game the way you pictured going into it. You're literally having to pick up someone else's slack. It's like a reliever coming in when you're losing a game. Now you got to fix whatever they're doing wrong. And then when your defense and, and, and your team is just playing poorly... It's just a disaster. Fuck, pick someone, run with them. If they fuck up and you can't coach them out of it, move on to the other one and have them try it. I mean, it's not like they haven't both called plays before, right? But now they're no, just but, like, yeah. But they're they're, they're not they're, call, I don't think they were ever calling the offensive plays. Most of them were, were on the defensive right. side of the ball. They're special teams, the quarterback coaches, like all of these guys who aren't your traditional play callers are now calling plays. So I get it. Josh McDaniels moved on. Um, you have to fill his gap, you know, when you're gone that long, you know, in true Patriots fashion, they didn't go out and hire somebody to, <laughs> to come in and help with that. They're like, we'll just plug in a ball boy and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, we'll Nothing see how... later, though. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> see, you, you're not the only one who can make these little little jabs about the team. All right. I'm also doing not I'm not the one that owns a Tom Brady jersey, so. Sporting the cause over there. Oh, one of the funniest things. You uh, own two of them, actually. I'm mistaken. Oh, I know. It's the worst. Um, <laughs> Jamie, shout out, to, shout out to Jamie, listener of the podcast. Uh, I just got this random text, and he was like, do not gift me that jersey. <laughs> I was like, I was like, all right, fair, fair. Let me the tag on it. But, you know, he's, he's, he's the brother-in-law. I was like, well, we got family like um, 
you know, like white elephant or Yankee gift swap. I was like, dude, this is fucking going. It's going to be on the chopping block. So I was like, just I, I'll, I'll look at you. You know not to take my gift. You know what I mean? <laughs> like <laughs> the other, the, uh, you said you were excited about this weekend. I didn't necessarily have that takeaway. We're going to talk about some of the other games now briefly before we start getting into what our games are for the upcoming week. But I thought this was kind of a very underwhelming sort of not not necessarily boring weekend, but there was a lot of just messy football. Although the Monday right. night game was a disaster. There were penalties everywhere. But everywhere. The well, Cowboys, Broncos, yeah, yeah, going into the season, yeah. if you told me the Cowboys, Green Bay, the Rams, and the Patriots all would score 10 points or less in their opener against some yeah. of the teams that they were going up against, I, w- I wouldn't have believed it. But the yeah, Cowboys... like, all right, cool, let me get on this 11-leg parlay and make $2 million for a bit. Yeah, yeah, like, the Cowboys had three points, the... Packers had seven, the Rams had 10, and New England had seven. I mean, this is unreal. And then you had teams like, I mean, the Jets, you're going to expect the Jets to, to to jet. Like, that's that's kind of what they do. But some of these teams, you're like, wait, this doesn't make any sense. Like, how are you putting up, the, like, everybody shit on Kansas thinking that with the, you know, departure of Hill, it was it. And they put up 44 points still, so they're going to score with anybody on that well, field now. That's also because Kelsey. there was there was a double XP weekend that happened this weekend. <laughs> now, I'm sorry, Tim. You brought the Tim Spiracy up and now I can't unsee it. I, like there was it there was a Call of Duty double XP weekend and what happened? Kyle Murray played like ass. So yeah. you know, until until I see data otherwise, yeah. contrary to the rule, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow it. Yeah. I mean Lamar played like vintage Lamar, the Jets played like vintage Jets against Lamar, which you know Never turns and, out and well. To be honest, that game could have even been even crazier, but Sauce Gardner had an unreal breakup of what would have been a Mark Andrews touchdown. So if you're a Mark yeah. Andrews fantasy fan, like, dude, it's going to happen, okay? He's yeah. not throwing two touchdowns to Devin Duvernay every week. All right, just steady the boat. Well, I, yes. I guess it's a good segue. So did you win? How many leagues you in? How many did you you know win? I'm in four, and I won uh, one of them. Exactly. I yeah. also won one of the four. I lost the second one by point six points. I, I I got blown out in in all of them. I can't even I can't even lie. It was uh it was not great. Um, to be fair, one of them was completely auto drafted, uh, and the other was, well, not auto drafted. We were in the middle of recording our podcast when the yeah. draft kicked off. Yeah. Yeah. And I had another draft scheduled, so I literally had two drafts up and running at the same time. And the and the important one is an auction draft. I mean, uh, winners don't make excuses, but you know. Whatever. Well, I had I ended whatever, up with, I ended up with three tight ends on my auction league, so that's never going to work. I oh yeah, in your auction <laughs> league, oh that was that was bad. That was really bad. Yeah, I actually did go uh, in one league this year. I went uh, double double tight end. I took for for whatever reason. I think it's because I had a pick like towards the end. Uh, of the round, yeah. I got Kelsey, and then I got Andrews. Didn't work out this week, right? But it's gonna work out in the future. So, um, yeah, not yeah, my. Let's get some of your fantasy updates with some of these other games you got going on, because sometimes, as fantasy football is, that's how real football is. Yeah. So I, um, I mean, I had so in my in my auction league, I had Brady, 
as my starting QB. Um, but my my savior for that one was Cooper Cup. That was my mm-hmm. keeper. I had to choose uh, between him and Eckler, but Eckler was literally twice the dollars to to keep. So yeah, um, that's always a concern when you're in an auction draft. The problem was because I fucked up that draft enough, I ended up with like ninety dollars still left to, and Eckler was only forty dollars. But Cup got me thirty one. But otherwise, I mean, you can go online and look at you know some of the. Just look up fantasy football over the weekend and look at the scores oh, that some, went up. Some people scored like 35 points. I had a three-way parlay for touchdowns, and uh, it was like a plus 4,600. And the only reason I didn't hit it was because Alvin Kamara did not score a touchdown. It was like Jefferson... Well, yeah, because- because you know who scored all those touchdowns? Michael fucking Thomas, the tune of 17.7 fantasy points on my goddamn bench. Yeah. I lost in one league by four points, and had I started him, whew, I'd have been clear as day. No one thought that, that a dude like that was going to come back and, like, they thought it was going to be a ramp-up period. Yeah. But yet, apparently, the Saints are scoring bonanza. We back, baby. Uh, so, uh, James that's Winston. why Kamara didn't get, didn't get any work. Has anybody been listening to James Winston talk? It's been bizarre. Pain. Everywhere. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know like what's gone on, but like, you know, when he was talking about his body and or like, yeah, you feel it. Your shoulders are your knees and your elbows are your blah and your fingers are your toes. Like, yeah, it's it's bananas. He was talking about like symmetry. I I get what he was saying, but he just sounded like a fucking lunatic. But, um, (laughs) I had, I had one big hit this week. Well, I had two big hits. One of them we'll, we'll talk about uh, at the very end of this. We'll just do a little brief discussion on it because I know you're not the biggest fan and you don't follow it all that often, but it's worth mentioning. But uh, So I, I had a live bet going for uh, Jamar Chase to score the fourth touchdown uh, in that game. And, they and I was sweating bullets the whole time and... With time expiring, two seconds left. So I, I made the live bet knowing yeah. that Burroughs was going to go to him because they were going down to try to win the game, right? This, the, if you didn't watch the, if you didn't watch the game, the Bengals game, it was one of those wild ones that went into overtime, had a bunch of missed field goals. It was, it was all over the place. Uh, but with time expiring and two seconds left on the clock, Burroughs hits Chase for like a, a 15-yard touchdown, and I hit. My wife and child were out of the house. I, You know, they were plus 40, 450 odds, so it was a pretty big hit. I was very, very excited about it. We don't talk a lot about betting on here because I don't think either one of us bet all that much. Uh, no, I don't. The DraftKings, the, the sports book, got me with their, hey, we miss you. Here's a $5 credit, and then $5 leads to, you know, whatever, but. Uh, God damn. It's not enough to make me want to bet. Because to be honest, you know what, Tim? Yeah. I bet on myself. All right. I'm the best season-long manager there is in the game, son. I got I a mean, platinum rating on Yahoo Sports. I mean, how does how, how does that free $450 deposit back down? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds it sounds pretty great. <laughs> uh, okay. So g- going forward to these, these next games that we have this week, I got a couple. I'm sure you got some. So... Tim, give me the the first game that you're going to watch this upcoming week. Ah, uh, I mean, 
I'm, I'm a f- more than a fan, but a vested interest to see if the Patriots going to manage to to right the ship. I got to watch the, the the Patriots and the Steelers. The Steelers played pretty well this this week. Um, they're another one that like came down to the wire, had some some luck and some missed field goals go their way. They won twenty three to twenty against the Bengals in the game I was just talking about. Wild, wild finish. It was a missed field goal, went into overtime. The, the whole thing was just out of control. We'll, we'll have to have a conversation as to whether or not we think kickers have a place in football and, the, and whether or not they need to reevaluate that whole situation because the hot take, and I'll, I'll just start out there now, was that you have 11 players on either side of the ball who are putting their bodies consistently on the line and risking. The kickers don't. The kickers come. I mean, look at these guys. Half of them don't even wear pads because you can't. You literally can't no, hit wear, them. They wear. They wear pads. They don't wear leg pads. They wear, they wear shoulder. shoulder they wear the the smallest shoulder pads you've ever seen, and a helmet with like the thinnest mask on the front of it because they're they're like pitchers when they get out there. They are there to serve a purpose, and they're not there to hit or do anything. Exactly, they're there to serve a purpose. The only time we, we talk about what? Who was it? The the Colts punter, I think, who was jacked like three years ago, and he made a couple big hits on uh, some returns when you know the guys were going back for uh, uh, for a punt return. And, and, and in any event, you have all of these players that are going out there for you know ninety percent of the game, and then to come down to the one dude who comes in whose sole job is just to kick this thing through a couple uprights, and you lose it. Right, it'd be like <laughs> it'd be like two sides in a war fighting it out. All these people die, and it comes down to like a writer writing the right column in a news article to win the war. And if he screws it up, the whole side loses. You go in, you storm Normandy, you you take all of Europe. You're about to win, and a, a columnist comes in and tries to write it and screws up the translation, and suddenly you guys lost the war. Like. That's a that's a that's an obviously dramatic yeah. comparison, but dramatic. it's it's it is what it is for for the entire game. You have these guys who are just in pummeling each other to get it down, and to have these guys put that much effort in, and a kicker who comes in and makes like three kicks in a game misses it, and then you lose the game seems a bit potentially unfair, <laughs> right? Maybe no, it could be. Maybe the solution is it has to be a position player that's also your kicker. Maybe that's the solution. Yeah, you 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 would see no one attempt forty or fifty yard kicks. They'd attempt. I'd be fine with that. I'd I'd be fine with that. Who's your pick for this game, though? Patriots Steelers. Who thinks you're gonna win? Um, unfortunately, I think it'll probably be Pittsburgh. They just played better uh, on their end of the ball, and they held Burrows to twenty points. Now let's. Let's, I mean, we're one game in, so I don't know if we can necessarily say that they're the better team at the moment. But, I mean, Miami has a better record. No, but uh, I think Burroughs is just, in my opinion, got more upside than Tua does. So they should be a better team. Um, yeah, I mean, this is mostly just a, a, a gut pick for me, but I, I think the Steelers are going to come in. The Patriots have a lot of cleanup to do. I mean, nobody's better at making adjustments than the the Patriots have been, but they've always had some star power to rely on. 
in the terms of like Brady and McDaniels and, and some of their game planning. And because both of those two things are missing, the adjustment period tends to be a little bit longer. I think Mac Jones is going to be a phenomenal quarterback. He had his, he showed a lot of promise last year. He uh, did a lot of good things last week, but just not enough to convert. Um, and I think the Steelers coming off of a, a win, especially, you know, an emotional win like that. I don't think they want to leave it up to the kicker anymore. And I think right. they're going to come out and, and probably play aggressive. Um, I, I can see after this week, you know, there's probably going to be some knee-jerk reactions for a week or two by some of these teams where they might go for it a little bit more on fourth down. They may get a little bit more aggressive during the, the two-minute drills. So I think right now Pittsburgh is better primed to capitalize on some of those. New England's got a lot of, like, penalty cleanup to do. Their uh, their offensive line needs to kind of pull it together a little bit. And Jones and his receivers need to get in sync a little better, but I mean, maybe in the same like fucking solar system to begin with. That, that would yeah. be great. But uh, I mean, they they had a couple flashes definitely towards the end when he did miss guys. He wasn't missing them by much, much. but he was missing them. But there, he did have a couple. He missed one. Was it to Aguilar? And then he came back on the other side and threw almost the same exact pass and ended up dropping it like perfectly for like a 45, 50 yard toss. Hey, so that's it's the way it's, she goes sometimes, right? It's it's there. It's it's. In there somewhere for that team, uh, it was a forty-one long, uh, forty-one yard uh, pass, but um, for Kendrick Bourne, and like that's a name you've never heard of. That was the only catch he made the entire game. So, yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> so, that's that's what it is. So it's there. They got a couple no names. They're trying to turn into to somethings in, in normal New England fashion. So, uh, I just think Pittsburgh is better poised now. If you were if this were week eight, I, you know, I, I may have a different outlook on it, but. As it stands right now, I think uh, I think I'm leaning Pittsburgh for this one. Well, I guess you won't be a homer there. All right, uh, I'm picking first first game this week. I know you're gonna be like, "Oh, this is gonna be easy," but it's not. Chiefs Chargers Thursday night football, Amazon Prime debut with Al Michaels and their whole brand new broadcasting crew. Yeah. I think Kirk Herbstreit's on there as well. So, like, shout out to them. Um, look, one of these AFC West teams is gonna go two and zero. Okay, the Raiders lost, the Broncos lost. Mm-hmm. In a division where you need to win 12 games in order to to take the title, this game is crucial to set the tone for the rest of the season. Chiefs absolutely gobsmacked the Arizona Cardinals, but there were some injuries, namely to their kicker, um, which the coach uh, blamed on the turf uh, mm-hmm. that was there at um, at the stadium. But uh, the Chiefs seem to be taking in just playing football and not giving a fuck. That's just dangerous. It's, that's very, very dangerous. But at some point, you're going to, just like in the Super Bowl, you know, a good team will scheme against you. And, you know, the Chargers don't want to hear anymore about the big brother in the league. They want to go ahead and make a statement, and I think this is a week for them to do that. Um, they are probably going to be missing Keenan Allen. Um, but outside of last week, it was business as usual. Um, No-name receivers catching touchdowns. Eckler doing some things. Gerald Everett, the new tight end that they signed, who was formerly with the Rams, formerly with the Seahawks. Uh, he's involved now, so like they're going to keep going. And the defense, they're going to get better. You're going to need to do something. Um, I don't think this is going to be another you know 30-burger um, or like putting up 40 points like the Chiefs did week one, but uh, I definitely see this as a 28-24 kind of game um, with some highlightable moments, but I'm picking the Chargers to come out on top. All right. Uh, game number two, who you got? 
Uh, you're going to be surprised by this one, maybe. San Fran, Seattle. And okay. The, and the reason for that, I'm officially on quarterback watch for San Francisco because yeah. while Sunday was definitely a messy game, I understand that. Uh, Super messy. But they won <laughs> that game against the Commanders or the Washington football team last year in the rain. Yeah. On but, a soaked up field. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, those games are always like a crapshoot, right? You got a couple breaks. Mm-hmm. You got a, you got a, a couple good plays that go in. Go your way. Um, but, like, neither team did a great job uh, handling the ball in the air. I mean, Fields and the Bears, who won this game, he was 8 for 17 at 121 yards. This was something they were trying to just keep on the ground. Yeah. And they didn't even have a lot of, like, rushing output. Like, total yardage across the board was low for both teams like aggressively low um but trey lance finished the day with a 50.3 percent passer rating so i get it it's your first game back uh dude has one year of organized football at the college level i mean what the fuck did you expect yeah so i it was it was in chicago hostile environment uh like a a hurricane level uh rainstorm in which they had to try to squeegee the field. There's also a weird call where you could come out and people could squeegee the field, but if you were a holder and you tried to use your towel to I mean, in vain, dry a spot to put the ball on, they called it a penalty. Uh, which, you know, is very NFL, and it moved him out of field goal range, so it was like <laughs> it was a very strange game, but in terms of confidence building, that's that's not great. That's not great. Uh, number wise, he he went thirteen to twenty eight, so he had a little bit more success. One hundred sixty four yards, no touchdowns, had an interception, had two sacks, uh, fumbled the ball. I mean, it was it, it was a disaster. I mean, Debo fumbled the ball too, so it's not entirely on. On Trey Lance's shoulders to to bear the loss, but uh, well, that's a funny little play on words. But uh, it's it's not solely on him to to take responsibility for this loss. But I'm officially interested to see how long if that progresses, they're gonna keep him as the starter and not slide to Jimmy G because you're paying that man a ton of money to just hang out in the wings, and you have other teams now who are dealing with injuries. You know. You can say all you want about uh, uh, the Cowboys and Jerry Jones and Dak not going on IR and he might be back. If it turns out that that's a lot longer than it is, you could pay a guy a couple million dollars to come in and, and play half of your season just to keep you competitive because the guys that they have in the backup position, they're not great, man. They are uh, neither of them. I think they won maybe one game between the two of them in like four starts, five starts. So I thought the Cowboys, it was going to be their year and it is seeming to be a very Cowboy year right right off the bat. So I'll be, keep, I'll be keeping an eye check on it, that one. Check in with Cowboys fans. Y'all still them boys? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I saw one. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to kill it, but it's like notable Owens. It was like Terrell Owens. Uh, Owen Wilson and and the Cowboys because they're Owen one. <laughs> I was like, oh, 
Damn. Yikes. Yikes. Damn, but. damn, damn. All right. Okay. Who's your who's your third game? Uh, second, second game. game second game. Bucks Saints. Look, the Bucks came out and they beat a hapless um Dallas Cowboys team, but it took a while for them to sort of get going. Mm. Um Julio Jones, mostly back. Chris Godwin, not back. Leonard Fournette, mostly back. Tight end position, not back. You know, all things considered, the the Bucks have the GOAT at quarterback. Like, it's they're going to be fine. But the Saints poured a ton of points on against the Falcons last week when it counted. And it was a boat race. And that's always what the Saints have been able to do. So I feel like they're more stilted towards that style of play. Um, that being said, Brady has not fared well against the Saints since becoming a Buccaneer. So the easy money would say, oh, pick the Saints. But I'm not doing that. Because I have a feeling, all this off-season drama aside, all this other bullshit, there was talk, what, a couple years ago that Giselle was sort of like, hey, like it's it's family or football. Like, you, like you've, you've done enough. Like, you, yeah. you kind of got to walk away. And I bet that he was like, hey, one more year, which was last year, and then they didn't win, so he retired. But then he was like, nah, fuck it. You, you know, like the, uh, the scene from um, Wolf of Wall Street. I'm not fucking leaving. I'm not fucking leaving. They're yeah. gonna have to tow me out with a fucking tractor. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I bet that's that. I bet that's what he said. So I bet there's like, sort of maybe. An, I mean, I can't theorize this and, and prove it by anything, but maybe this is the year for the Bucks, right? New head coach, new transition. They're gonna win some games. Maybe they'll be in a good position to get uh, a journeyman, you know, middle middle quarterback uh, next year to be able to go on. So I'm gonna pick the Bucks here. I don't feel safe about it necessarily. I don't think that Jameis Winston is going to outduel Tom Brady by any stretch of the imagination. Yep. But I do think that the Saints defense, they know how to get to to Tom. So like it's going to be a tough game. If I had to guess, it would be a you know, 21-14 kind of game. Uh that's that's what I would bet, but uh, mm. I'm going to go Bucks with the win here. Yeah, my my biggest concern about the Bucks is that offensive line. It was terrible. Yeah. And yeah, Brady terrible. was constantly getting chased down and these, like you saw, it, like blindside, like type sacks, which is never, never good. I didn't pick oh, on you, my, I didn't pick on my last one. I'm yeah, gonna I was go. gonna say you didn't. Uh, I'm gonna go Seahawks because I have no faith in <sighs> the Niners at this point, and the Seahawks at bang, least bang, Niner gang. showed us that they have, you know, a little, a little something, something in the tank. They do, they do, they certainly do. All right, game three. Who you got? All right, game three for me. I was debating on whether or not I wanted to go cynical with with this one. Um, I was thinking Bears Packers because that could be sort of like the battle of the two teams trying to figure their shit out, yeah. um, like a bounce back game. But I, I don't know. That one's too much of a game. I think I'm going to go Chargers Chiefs, and the reason for the okay. Chargers Chiefs is because I want to see if the if the Chiefs are capable of putting that up against a decent team, right? Like the Cardinals have uh, an often explode, not always, but an often explosive offense that kept them in a lot of games and won them a lot of games. But I don't know if the defensive side of the ball was really their shining point last season. Uh, the Rams, obviously, on the back of Darnold, are a defensive-minded team and I think they have a lot of potential to or not the that's the Rams. Sorry, not the Rams. Mm. But uh the the Chargers last year uh had uh like a solid defense that kept them in games where Herbert tended to struggle a little bit. 
But over time, like towards the end of the season, as Herbert started playing better and the defense kind of held them in check, I think they have overall, I think they have a better opportunity to put pressure on like real pressure on Mahomes than what he faced last week. And I want to see if Mahomes is just going to scorch everybody or if this was a one-off for an Arizona team that wasn't quite ready. Because I'm not sold on Kansas coming out and, and being able to do that week after week. Eventually, teams are going to figure out that, okay, Kelsey's their biggest target right now. If we find ways to isolate him, we can then make moves to, to hold off, um, you know, the the side threats, if you will, that they that they had to rely on, um, you know, that took the place of Hill. I don't know if you can sustain that long term. I said last year, I think they're trying to figure out Mahomes. Unfortunately, you kind of put a wrinkle in that by switching up his receiving core, where before you could just double team Hill to take him out and put your best uh, your best corner or or linebacker on Kelsey, and then he was kind of stuck. And now you're trying to figure out who is gonna who his go to is going to be downfield, and they lost that like threat that if they make a reception behind you, there's just no chance you're gonna catch it up. And I think in the kind of in between period where teams are trying to figure that out, uh, you might see a couple of these games where things kind of get out of hand. But I, I mean, I don't think it's going to go forever. Teams are going to be able to start game planning against it. When you start having teams with very capable defenses, like, you know, all of the Los Angeles teams are all of the, yeah. the <laughs> uh, I think, I think it's a different look. Do you think the Chiefs win this game or do you think the Chargers win? I think the Chiefs win this one, but I think it's going to be a little bit more competitive than the game they just played. Like I could, I don't, I don't think they're going to put up 44 points, but I could see this being like a, like a 28, 20 or 28, 24 game. It's a little bit more competitive. That comes down to yeah. like a turnover, right? Yeah. Like Herbert not taking care of the ball or throwing an interception or something like that. It's not, I don't think it's just going to be a bad beat. I think this is going to be one of those where like a break goes towards Kansas and, and they just capitalize on it. Back-to-back Thursday Night Football bangers. I'm, I'm here for it. All right, last game I'm going to uh, pick for this upcoming week is Bears-Packers. Um, the Bears, as you pointed out, got an a uncharacteristic win over a hapless 49ers team that didn't know kind of where they were or what they were doing. Uh, field conditions, I don't really buy that. Um, there's a lot of dysfunction in that team right now. Why? Jimmy <laughs> Garoppolo signed a one-year extension. He's still in the building, and Trey Lance has still got the starting job. Like, yeah. And we, we saw like at some point in the season – if Lance keeps making these mistakes, the call is just going to be easy. The beat writers are going to say it. Every fan on Twitter and Instagram is going to say it. Everything on their on the social media mentions is going to say, put Jimmy G back in, and we're going to see what happens there, unless he gets traded uh, before the trade deadline. You know, to find a team that will be willing to pay salary and, and sort of take him on from there, which which could happen. Um, but look, the Packers, we I, I, I didn't think, just like you, I didn't, I didn't think they were going to win 13 games again. This season, yeah. But for them to call out, come out of the season and the off season they had as flat footed as they did, Rodgers saying that you know he doesn't trust receivers in camp. Like, don't say that shit out loud. Yeah, just go before practice, go after practice like a Brady, a Manning, or a Wilson would, and just throw to your receivers. Throw them until they're comfortable, right? Yep. Um, what he worked so hard to get with Devontae was not just in games. It was in practice. It was before. It was after practice. Do the same thing. Go make a rookie receiver run a thousand rounds. You're yep. gonna get better, right? Like you, you got to have some confidence in your team. Like Quadzilla 
and Aaron Jones cannot carry this team. And the defense obviously is not going to be able to carry this team either. So that being said, the Packers need this win Yep. to, to kind of stay, you know, with everyone else, I, I guess, as far as like in the division, but the Packers need this win because if they lose back to back division games, you're going to, you're going to start to hear a lot more talk about maybe this is it for Rodgers. I mean, his little Peaky Blinders haircut, the fact that he looks more and more every day like a Farvian of old with his scruffy, you know, white salt and pepper beard. And, you know, his his lack of give a fuck is completely gone, as evidenced by all his podcast, you know, stuff out this year. Like, football may not be the biggest thing for him anymore, which is completely fine. Yep. Unless you're the presumptive MVP, the reigning MVP. You've won 13 games, you know, every season for who knows how long now. Like, you this is not a R-E-L-A-X moment. This is get your head out of your A-S-S moment. And that's what the Packers have to do. They gotta, they're, they're supposed to win this game, and that's exactly what they need to do. So hmm. that's what I think. I'm going to go Packers there. Fucking feet don't fail me now. Um, and, dude, I think, I, think, I think that's it. I think, I think we've, we've finished this episode. Stats Merit Podcast. Oh, hold on. Well, hold on. Before, I mean, we're close, but I got to – real quick – Oh, One thing we, we got to touch on. Here we go. See, f- see, folks. I was, I was trying to, get, trying to get you out of here. Well, you don't want to talk about the Nate Diaz fight? Uh, I didn't watch it. <sighs> I watched it. All right, going yeah. into this fight, uh, I didn't think there was a, a chance in hell that Nate was going to take this fight. Uh, Nate was going to, Nate was going to win. Like it's his last fight on his contract. He was going to go. He was going up against. Uh, Arguably one of the, the fastest rising stars, you know, currently fighting in that that division. He was just smoking everyone, uh, and it, it like it wasn't even it wasn't even close in most of those fights. He was literally like Kazmat was was literally choking people out and talking to to Dana in the process. So. Uh, anyway, this fight got built up. Everybody thought it was going to be uh, a hit, a hit job for Nate Diaz. Like this is your last job out. Let's send you out on a on a on a bad note with this really bad beat. Well, and you could put your tinfoil hat on, right? And, and join me here. Uh, the press conference, uh, Kazmat and uh, Lewis, the guy he entered. Well, spoiler alert: Kazmat came in. Like seven and a half, eight pounds overweight. So the fight, they're not going to cancel the fight. You have a couple options. If it was a title fight, the title wouldn't be on the line. You might renegotiate and split up the purse a little more. In this case, what they did is they ended up finding Nate a new fight and Kazmat uh, a new fight. And Kazmat fought Lewis, uh, which is, if you're not familiar with, uh, if you're not familiar with MMA or UFC in general, um, there's a bunch of characters in the, in in the league now or, or in in UFC who have kind of made a name for themselves. You have guys who, after every single fight, uh, chug a beer out of uh, a, a shoe. You have guys who. Shoey. Yeah, like everybody, everybody has a thing now. Uh, and sorry, not lose, but he fought. They ended up fighting Kevin Holland instead of Nate Diaz because they were uh, in a similar weight class. And the thing with with Kevin Holland is that he just 
talks the whole time. Like he flatters you. It's not shit talk. He like flatters you or he just, oh man, you got a good right as he's eating a right hook yeah. or something like that. It's, yeah. it's very entertaining, but can be a little bit obnoxious. So everybody called in the mouth. Anyway, those two got paired up and it was just a fucking dumpster fire because everybody takes these fights on super short notice, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like you got 24 hours. So you don't have like a full camp to prepare. So like, I thought Nate Diaz coming into this was going to have a little bit of a chance if he's focused all of his attention on wrestling, which is what, uh, uh, which is what this fight was going to take to win because that's, that's not his strong. He's a guy who stands up. He gets pummeled. He has submitted several guys. He submitted Conor McGregor in their big fight several years ago. Uh, but that's not his bread and butter. His bread and butter is standing in there taking punches and dishing punches and, and whatever. Uh, this fight against Holland on short notice, you knew right off the bat. As soon as the, the bell went off, he rushed Holland, grabbed him around the legs, took him down, and then two minutes and 13 seconds later, the fight was over. Like, it happened that quick. Yeah. The, the Nate Diaz fight, however, got switched to Tony Ferguson, which is something that we wanted, that fans wanted to see for uh, a long time, seemed to be uh, very fitting that this was his last fight, right? So, putting the hat on, the tinfoil hat on, during the weigh-in, or during the press conference, they canceled the press conference because everybody was getting into it backstage, so like Holland was getting into it and bottles were being thrown. It felt very, in my opinion, WWE to build up artificial hype. Right? So you first cancel the main fight that everybody was buying the pay-per-view for. And then suddenly there's drama backstage between Holland and Kimzet that like it's okay, sure, out of nowhere. That's fine. Holland is generally a, a likable guy. I don't think anyone really complains about him, but okay. And then suddenly Diaz gets in the mix, and now everyone's throwing water bottles. It was all very, very strange. But in any event, it ended up pivoting to, to Ferguson, uh, which I was a little concerned when I heard about the fight, but then thinking about the camp that Nate Diaz must have had. It was probably very condition-heavy, very wrestler-heavy. I made a last-minute bet on Diaz to win the fight. He's lost three of the last four fights going back to 2016. He hasn't fought a lot. So you were feeling good about your about your earlier hands. So you're like, <laughs> ah, fuck it, whatever. I'll just well, this, is, this was before. Lose. This was Saturday. This this is this is what led into the betting on on Sunday because. Uh, so anyway, 2016, he lost to um, uh, he lost to Conor McGregor, and then he won against Anthony Pettis. He lost against Jorge Masvidal in the badass or whatever the badass motherfucker card or whatever that BMF was with the, the BMF. Lost to Leon Edwards in 2021. So I was like, okay, he doesn't have a great chance here. But last minute, I was like, you know what? He probably came in with a very hard conditioning. Everyone was writing him off. So he came in, threw a bet, 100 bucks, put it on the line. Let's see what happens. He kicked the shit out of Ferguson. Ferguson hasn't fought in a little while. Ferguson took a little time off. Right off the bat, 
Like what was weird about the mo- about the the money line is that uh, it went from like plus plus one fifty plus I, I can't remember what it was to start, but then it jumped to like plus three fifty by the second round, and he was clearly in my mind winning the fight. And I just I didn't re up because I'm not a big gambler, and I was like, okay, if this goes south, I'll kick myself for it. He kicked his ass. It was like he was just. At one point, Tony was running away from him, and Nate was trying to like goad him into coming in. He would like turn sideways and like lean over to put himself in position to get like taken down also, or mounted. I saw a clip of him like resting, resting. Like, yeah, what the fuck. And and Tony would do nothing, and then he'd push towards Tony. He'd get a couple hits in. They'd exchange the punches. Then Tony would like kind of run away. It was it was very bizarre. But the way it ended was even more ironic. Where Nate Diaz, this was the last fight in his card. Won in the fourth round with a submission. He had a, a guillotine choke that you could see coming almost perfectly. Uh, Tony tried to take him down, and he ended up getting a guillotine is, is basically when someone's head is down with their shoulders in front of you, and you have your arm uh, over the shoulders and around the neck, and you try to like lock it in, and you just sort of pull back, so it causes... You know their neck to push down towards their their chest because of the pressure, um, and he just kind of lift and he ended up tapping. Um, but at the end of it, Nate talks about okay, you know this is the last fight of my card. I might come back, but I want to go and show folks that I can dominate in other sports. And he alluded to boxing oh, no. and kickboxing no. and whatnot. No, yeah, guess what's coming? A uh, Jake Paul. Yeah. Yeah, Nick Diaz fight. Uh, I'm I'm pretty, Nate Nate Diaz, Nate Diaz, and okay. and, and Chris Paul. I mean, uh, Chris Paul. Uh, Chris Paul. <laughs> Chris Paul. Yeah, that would be something, wouldn't it? <laughs> this is the NFL. Okay, the NFL is the only boxers that. that well, Adrian out. Peterson, Le'Veon Bell, you know, box this weekend. And Peterson, and got, Peterson got, got sent the fuck into out. the twilight zone. Yeah, yeah, but uh, <sighs> but what was interesting about this is Tony Ferguson, who's been out for a little while. Came back was like you know Joe Rogan for whatever reason still does all of the. Uh, all of the ringside interviews. He has lost his last five fights, including this one. He doesn't want to fight till 2019. And he's like, Joe, I got to tell you, man, it was, a, it was a fucking good time. It was great. I'm back. <laughs> oh, and like, no. And they're like, are you back? Are you? You got, you got choked out here. You got knocked out in May. Uh, You got... You lost two decisions leading up to that. So, like, are you bang? You also got knocked out uh, against Justin Gaethje back in 2020. Uh, oh, yeah, 2020 and 2022. You got knocked out yeah, both times. He also same did guy. that to, to McGregor. So, yeah, know, but. Uh, uh, well, that and the freak, like, shin break, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's Poirier. Oh. Close. Yeah, 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 close. It's or it's fine. I forget. I can't. I forget. Yeah, I mean, and and a lot of them are are very difficult. I'm I'm sure Kazman. I'm not even pronouncing his name correctly, so you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. But anyway, uh, very entertaining fight to watch. Um, I wasn't gonna watch it. Thought I was gonna watch someone get murdered. Glad I stood up after the the fight change and ended up watching. It was very very entertaining. I couldn't believe Nate did as well as he did. Um, I don't know necessarily if I think he's got. I mean, the, the dude could fucking hit because you should have seen Tony's face. It was a disaster. Uh, but 
I don't think he has the same conditioning to go up against someone who's training specifically for boxing. They're very different uh, fighting styles. But in any event, uh, put a bet down. Uh, the Sox are in the, the bottom of the 10th. The uh, the Yankees had bases loaded, hit a double, cleared, uh, cleared the bases, so they went up seven. And now the Sox are fighting back with one out. So let's go, Sox. 7-5, bottom of the 10th. They just scored again. Two men on. Tough. Anyway. All right, now we can depart. That will do it, folks, for this episode of Stats and Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Go get the Russell Reserve and the Rummy Bear. Watch the damn football. Amen, brother. Peace. Peace.